0: This episode of the OP radio podcast sponsored by fume fume is the number one natural solution for kicking nicotine cravings with over 25,000 customers served use promo code OP, Opie O P I E or click the link in the show notes to save 10% at Fumeessential.com. that's F U M essential.com and start creating positive habits. Hold on, hold on, Snowy, where's Anthony? Say something funny. How long have you been doing radio? And now on, hold on, we're getting it all out of the way. I like this, Gary Krasinski. And now on with the show. And now on with the show. Exactly. Exactly. I want to go to Cancun, buttercup. Facebook user says, of course, who wouldn't want to go to Cancun? Ted Cruz should be able to go to Cancun because his house is cold, right? (laughs) These these stupid politicians, every single one of them. I woke up and someone just uh, tweets me first thing in the morning. I mean, I haven't even had coffee yet. I doubt this uh, guy had coffee either, and he just goes, Cuomo's worse. They, they they both suck. You're not gonna get me if you're a politician. Most likely, I don't like you. But I guess uh, I guess he had to do that. What aboutism? Because a lot of people on the right they're uh, looking a little bad with the Ted Cruz thing. So their only defense is to yell stuff like Obama, Cuomo, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Chuck Schumer! (laughs) Rob Bartlett! What's up, brother? How are you, buddy? I haven't talked to you in... It's got to be a couple of years now, my friend. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Well, welcome to the live stream. Uh, People are excited to see you, my my friend. And um, I got to tell you, I was was just talking to Jackie the Joke Man. Uh And he has a documentary that uh, they just completed. I don't know where it's going to be shown or whatever. Um, but there's a couple pictures of you in this thing that I sent to you, obviously. And my mind was blown, and that's where I want to start. Oh, by the oh. way, that's my dog. You get to see – I'm looking at you. You get to see uh, the ocean because this is, this is like a sunrise show usually. And and some mornings it's just glorious, Rob Bartlett, just glorious. And then other days you got to see my dog's ass and, you know, a cloudy gray sky. Well, so, that's pretty
1: much the, a metaphor for my life at the moment.
0: So, <laughs> so um, Jackie sends me pictures because he kn- he knew I was going to talk to you today, and there one of the pictures was in the documentary, and it's you, Jackie the Joke Man, and Eddie Murphy uh, on the stage at East Side Comedy Club. Yeah, out here on Long Island, my mind was blown because I'm looking at this picture going. Three superstars for real: Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you don't have to explain. Rob Bartlett. You don't have to explain. You were you were a huge part of one of the biggest radio shows ever, the the Don Imus show. And then you got Jackie the Joke Man, and and you know what he did with the Howard Stern show. All in this one picture.
1: He's one that has to be explained. Eddie and me, not so much, but Jackie. But gotta, Jackie
0: has to be explained.
1: Yeah, you got to explain the reason for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have any uh, uh, any? Uh, sure. Memories from from your days at Eastside Comedy Club that you want to share?
1: No. I mean that that was like our playground. I mean that was we'd all started together uh, at Dixon's in Massapequa. Dixon's White House yeah. in, and um, and then Minervini got this idea, got this bug up his ass about opening up his own club, and uh, found this great spot in in Huntington, right on Jericho Turnpike. Um, which is now I think an Italian restaurant, um, but just a great location. And Jim Myers, who was a carpenter, built the stage. Yeah. And uh we pretty much called the shots because we were the the first ones to do comedy on Long Island. And so and this was our our playground. So much fun.
0: And and Eddie Murphy was uh he was only a teenager, right? Back then.
1: He when 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 he was at Dixon's, I think he was 17 because he didn't have a license yet. I used to have to drive him to, uh, to gigs. Oh you know? my God. I had to pick him up in Roosevelt. And we would drive right. to together and um, just, just more fun. Just, it was just, those were the, you know, the, the, the great salad days of the long on comedy movement. I, I guess, I guess I'm included in the documentary because, you know, Jackie saw fit to leave me out of his book. Oh, um, did he really? Oh, please. It's not, a, it's not even a mention. Uh, what so the hell is
0: that about?
1: Oh, he's going to pay for it dearly.
0: Oh, good. I, I hope he's, so, because oh, he police. speaks fondly of you. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he's trying to, uh, he's at a wedding and uh, he might pop on today. It's a, oh, of it's course. Very, very, very casual. But did you keep in touch with Eddie Murphy over the years as he skyrocketed to the level of fame he did?
1: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, I got to say, I, I, I was bitter as hell. Yeah. Now, you know, which is so unusual for comedians to get bit right. <laughs> by another great fortune. Um, it, 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 the whole thing with Eddie was, um, and I was with him the entire time, pretty much when he was auditioning for SNL. Right. Um, what had happened was Bob Nelson, who was part of the identical triplets, myself, Eddie, and and Bob Nelson. And th- the idea behind that concept was that the three of us would. were were pals and we liked working with each other we would make each other laugh um and so we would do improv and stuff together i remember one night we wanted to go out um and we we decided we weren't going to go to dixon's because we always went to dixon's we had a free night we didn't have to work we could do anything we 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 swore we weren't going to go to dixon's we tried to go bowling we couldn't get lame we tried to go to movies couldn't get in of course we wound up at dixon's and we we just went up and did an improv with three of us together, and it worked so well that we started to do it more and more, and then it became like a little package. We would each do little sections of our own acts, right. but we would also do these improvs and sketches and, yeah. and the stupid little things in between. Bob was doing the Merv Griffin Show, and it was, I guess Merv would do a, a week or two weeks from New York City. Uh, it was at Lincoln Center, and I, I remember Minervini and myself and a couple of the other people from, from East Side went I went to see him, and uh, we were hanging out in in the green room, and of course, his agent at the time uh, at APA came in and said, "Eh, I'm sorry, kid, you're getting bumped, you know, so he got the word he wasn't going on, but his agent happened to say, do you guys happen to know any black comics, because they're looking for one at SNL, because the guy that they had hired, which was a guy by the name of Charlie Barnett, who was a street performer from Greenwich Village, who was a genius just the most incredibly funny raw talent but he couldn't read a script he was illiterate and so they couldn't really use him and so eddie and i were doing the comic strip in fort lauderdale the very next day we were flying out together um to go down and do the the, the strip in fort lauderdale was uh which was just a great gig you know because he stayed at this hellhole condo for two weeks but you were you know had a pool and you're in lauderdale and you were getting paid when, when we hear about this the, the day before, Nelson turns to me and goes, don't you dare tell Eddie. Don't you dare tell Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the first thing I do when I get into the car, when I pick him up, to, you know, drive us to the airport, I tell Eddie. And he can't wait for us to land, because the minute we land, he gets on the phone to Bob Wax and Richie Tinkin at the, uh, the comic strip and says, you guys got to get me an audition for SNL. Oh my and God. They pull some strings, they, got, they get him on audition, and uh, they strung him along for at least a month they kept calling him back having him read again and up and down and up and down he was working in a shoe store roosevelt field mall at the time wow um
0: wow that's so crazy
1: and he hated it you know of course he hated it yeah Um, but he liked the discount he got on shoes um and and he he you know at this point he was he was old enough for you know to drive or whatever we wind up back at my house and I was still living at home. And, you know, he would talk to my my mom about how, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do. And, you know, they keep going back and forth. And my mom would sit there and, and she, you know, she'd just say, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll happen. If it's supposed to happen, she'll really like counseling Eddie Murphy. Yeah. That's Canada. so
0: crazy to think. Yeah. Because we yeah. all know Eddie Murphy. You know, we, we didn't know Eddie Murphy like you did. So it's so weird to hear uh, him go from, a nobody teenager to, uh, for a while there, the, the biggest, uh, comedian in the world.
1: Well, he, I mean, if you had seen him, um, back in the day, yeah, you'd know that there was no way in hell this guy was going to be anything but a superstar. Wow. The first time I saw him on stage at Dixon's, it was like your jaw dropped. It was like, who is this kid? Yeah. The most incredible stage presence. And, you knew that this kid was just gonna be huge. Um and I actually did two two pilots for Eddie Murphy TV um over the years with him. And you know what was funny was is you know obviously we were traveling in different circles. Um you know his his stock went up he was hanging out with you know <laughs> these huge movie stars and yeah and and whatnot and 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 I was you know, going to Eastside to heckle Joey Cola. (laughs) A little little different, you know.
0: A little Uh, little different paths,
1: Just a little bit. Uh, But then when I would see him, it would pick up right where we left off, you know. And it was always about making each other laugh, you know. Because, of course, he had the world's greatest laugh.
0: Of course. I
1: mean, you'd you'd be on stage and you'd know when he was in the room because you could hear it in the back, you know. Right. I would do something. I would come up with a new line or something for my because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
0: You know, this is, this is a good jumping off point because uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, some of the, the stuff that were on those earlier albums, people now look at and go, I, I can't believe he got away with doing this bit. And unfortunately, times have changed because... Right. When he was doing those bits, and I'm I'm scared to even say the word, which is so sad. Uh nowadays. I know, I know. I, you can I just discussing it, you have to say the word. He right. had a big cold faggots. So let's just get into right. it. Right. And nowadays, uh people look at that like he had to be a homophobe and this and that, and you you can't do that type of material anymore. No and my uh my answer to that is why not? as long as it's funny and you're not hurting anybody, why not? i think I think everything should be on the table as far as comedy goes. but well, where you've been around since God since the golden age when they started putting brick walls up in every uh, location possible, and you've <laughs> seen it dramatically change so what like what's your thoughts on that?
1: It's sad because you know and and George Carlin used to say. It, he was on Imus a couple of times and, and yeah. one of the greatest things about being in the IMAS show is I get to meet all these unbelievable people. And George Carlin, of course, was one of them. Sure. And, um, and he, uh, you know, I, I was one time when we were still at FAN and he, I was sitting in the studio and he was on the air and we were talking with them off air. And, and uh, he said, who's the guy who does the, uh, the radio guy? I said, uh, Scott Muni. He said, yeah. I said, that's me. He goes, that's funny shit, man. I was like, wow. Wow, yeah. Oh, Carla just said he did oh. funny shit.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and, uh, and then later on, after George passed, his brother would come on as a guest. And his brother brought uh, George's handwritten request for his memorial service that he wow. knew he was dying. He wrote, you know, all these things. I really like it if some jazz was played. And I'm not a religious guy, but if people want to come up and say something spiritual, I, I would like. And it was just like you were holding a piece of history. It was like holding the yeah. Declaration of Independence. Uh, but Carlin used to say censorship was was the death knell for for comedy because of course. Jonathan Swift, it goes back to the days of Jonathan Swift, the guy who wrote Gulliver's Travels, he wrote an essay um basically about how he figured out how to use the overpopulation problem in Britain and and help the 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 hunger that was you know rampant um and, and help the poor uh of of britain and his idea was um rich people should eat the babies and it caused this huge stir because of course people thought that he was being serious and so that's just the first example of, of of somebody trying to say oh you can't say that i was never the kind of comic who really wanted to make people feel Bad, like if I knew I'd hurt somebody's feelings or, or said something that really did hurt somebody, I'd, I'd I'd feel awful. You know, I wouldn't want to do that. But by the same token, I'm going to be making fun of myself. And I'm going to be making fun of everybody else in the room. You know, um so it's it's kind of a shame that we've gotten to this point where you can't say certain things because it's a trigger for something or somebody. And I, you know, I know this. There's a fine line between you know being hateful and hurtful and being a little acerbic and. And be saying things that aren't politically correct to make a point. So that's that's kind of sad, and we've seen it through the years, you know.
0: And it's getting um, it's getting worse and worse. I think I think <laughs> even uh, the innocent jokes, if you really really break it down and think about it, uh, could possibly hurt somebody. You know, if oh, you're laughing, that means it's at technically it's at uh, the expense of uh, a, another group or or a person or whatnot. But mm-hmm. I I always thought over the years the 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 brilliant comics. Knew how to kind of navigate that. And you always knew, even though some of the jokes were a little harsher or, or whatnot, you you always knew there was no hate in the guy's heart. Right. That's what the difference was, I believe. But I feel like the, God, I, I hate I hate that I'm starting to uh, sound like my dad. But this the, the younger generation, the generation that's coming up now, I, it scares me because I don't think they really understand uh, humor or comedy any, anymore because everything triggers them.
1: You can't work a college circuit anymore.
0: That's what, you're not. You're literally the in, at least the 10th comic to say this. And that used to be the place where so many comedians went to hone their craft. Yeah. And now you it go was. to a, a college to try to perform and, and they're going to give you a whole list of things you can't even uh, touch yeah. on. And then still you're going to get people complaining after after you're set.
1: You gotta you gotta sign like these waivers before you perform in colleges now you know all the things that you're not allowed to say and right. they become the judges as to whether or not that that's okay to say or not
0: yeah you know? crazy it, it is
1: kind of crazy it's just it's it's um it, it's sad that it's gotten to that point because you know humor can be an enormous healer I mean I'm just used to saying you should never make fun of people who don't deserve it yeah you know, if somebody doesn't deserve it you shouldn't you know. Um, And he admitted that after the whole thing, uh, the whole controversy with with Rutgers, you know, those girls did not deserve what he had said. And he knew it and he felt bad about it and he apologized for it. um, But then again, you know, you have a public figure like I've been taking some heat for some of the stuff I've been um, uh, tweeting and, and putting up on Instagram uh, with Lindsey Graham. I, I keep finding these pictures of Lindsey Graham holding microphones. Right. And so my scenario is that he's singing karaoke. Yeah. And he's always singing show tunes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all this flack from people about, oh, you're a homophobe. Oh, say, no, I just have a picture of Lindsey Graham holding a microphone. Right. And I'm printing the lyrics to I Enjoy Being a Girl from Flower Drum Song. <laughs> I was not saying he's a homophobe. Right. Yeah. So um, I,
0: I want to back up for a second because I will defend IMS to the, my last breath on earth because I understand how, how it is to do morning radio. Um, mm-hmm. I understand how it is to try to be funny. And I fully understand that that morning when he said what he said, I'm scared to say it. Look at how pathetic it's become, Rob. He huh? said nappy headed hoes. I'm going to say it for the sake of this uh, mm-hmm. live stream. I know he was going for a joke. There was no hate in his heart, and then he had a deal with Reverend Al Sharpton and everybody else, and there was just an avalanche avalanche of hate that came his way. And it's like, yeah. all right, maybe you didn't think the joke was funny or whatever, but he was just trying to entertain his audience that morning. He had no he had no hate agenda.
1: It, it was a it was a perfect storm. It was a right. slow, slow news day, and and he apologized, and I think that was the key. Right. Uh, the fact that he apologized, that made him open for much more criticism. Of course. And Rush used to say a thousand things that were much, much worse than that. Right. Um, and would never apologize. And so he right. never caught the same flack.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's and a great history. point. That's a really he- good point. Because <laughs> we we had our own controversy, obviously, over the years. And, um and then the bosses would come to us and make us read these uh, statements and, and these apologies. And famously, uh, Ant would take the reins on that one because <laughs> they knew they knew I wouldn't be hate. <laughs> they just knew. Although there were a couple times they forced both of us to say, I'm sorry, I remember that. So Anthony would start or whatever. I don't well,
2: remember why.
0: And it was so obvious we didn't mean the apology. And then we we wanted our listeners to know that it, this was just corporate bullshit. So you could hear us ripping up the apology in the background of the right. show just to show you, like, we're not apologizing for anything, man.
2: Well, my favorite story is that
1: the, when you guys were still in Boston, uh, yeah. the whole story of the pies. The pie story just oh, thank you kills me. Yeah, it's just it is it's it's like out of a screenplay. I mean, you couldn't yeah. write that shit. No. You know you couldn't write. People say, ah, oh, no, that's unrealistic. That uh, man.
0: There's a lot of new people now. Let's just go yeah, through that really quickly. So, tell a story. Um, me and Anthony are in Boston. We're just crushing it, man. And we we have offers all over the all over the place at this point. Everybody wants to hire us. So we do the mayor's prank. We tell Boston, the mayor of uh, Boston, died in a fiery car accident. <laughs> All right, you know it's hard to hard to defend. But I was trying to take April Fools and just just shove it to a, a ridiculous place because I was so frustrated and mad in my industry how lame the April Fools pranks uh, gotten. So mm-hmm. this was my way of going. Look what we could do with April Fools. Whatever. And, uh, a lot of people were offended. So um, our bosses were convinced that the mayor would have a good sense of humor and he'd be okay with it. And we they want to put us in stockades uh, down at Faneuil Hall and have the mayor throw pies at our face. And they were so convinced that this was going to go down. They bought a pallet of pies for this uh, for this bit. And I remember uh, one of the guys, I don't want to name names anymore, but one of the guys came to me and Anthony and I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'd rather get fired. I'm not going to put my head in a stockade and have the mayor of Boston throw pies at us. There's and a then I also said, there's no way this guy is going to do this. And like, oh, no, we could convince him, you know. Long story short, uh, the mayor's like, F you. We want you not only fired, I want you arrested. It, it was scary for a while. So then uh, me and Anthony went to um, a children's hospital. And we were we delivered pies, and there was this big photo op that they were setting up. And I'm like, this feels so dirty, man. Like, you're setting up a photo op to show Boston that we're actually good guys. Mm -hmm. I I would like to show Boston I'm a good guy on my own terms, you know? But they're like, you do this, or or you don't have a job, or whatever. And then uh, the kids are singing Christmas songs. They're enjoying pies, and it's not even close to Christmas. And I'm like, why are we singing Christmas songs? And one lady... Bends over and whispers to me, "Well, the reason we're singing uh, Christmas tunes. You see that one girl up there on the stage? She this she's not going to make it to Christmas." And I'm like, "What are we part of? This is so fucking gross, man!" So, so they're taking pictures of me and Anthony and a pallet of pies and sick kids to save our radio jobs, and I'm like, "No." At that point, I'm I'm tapping out. I'm like, no, this is not this is not okay. Who are the who are the real evil people here? You know? And then none of that worked, obviously, and we got fired, but
1: the people who didn't want to waste the pies.
0: Yeah, hey, the good idea.
1: Let's take it to a children's house. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But sick kids, like really sick kids. Uh yeah. And I, I told that story uh wrong once because I thought it was close to Christmas, but obviously we got fired around April. And right. that's why it's key right. to the story that they're singing right. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas songs. And I'm looking around like, it's April. Why are we doing this? And it turns out it. a lot what? of these kids, they they thought weren't going to make it to Christmas. So why not enjoy a, a piece of apple pie and Santa Claus is coming to town on, on Opie and Anthony? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's, it's crazy, man. All right, I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the Opie Radio Podcast. We're talking about Fume, F-U-M. They're the number one natural solution for kicking nicotine cravings with over 25,000 customers served. You got to check them out. Go to their website, fumeessential.com. That's F-U-M, essential.com and start creating positive habits. Make sure you use the promo code Opie, O-P-I-E or click in the link in the show notes to save 10%. Fume is a natural wooden inhaler that uses these cores infused with the world's super plants to combat smoking, vaping, and nicotine cravings. And the fume is great for replacement therapy, you know, replacing that hand to mouth action. Conquer cores kick smoking butts by fighting nicotine cravings with black pepper, promoting better breathing with peppermint eucalyptus and reducing stress with lavender and cinnamon. So with the fume, you still get that feeling of smoking but you're not sucking in all that uh, nicotine anymore. Key distinguishers, non-addictive, chemical-free, natural, not a vape, by the way. This is beyond just quitting smoking. Fume also has cores designed for relaxation, improved focus, and improving physical performance. You got to check it out for yourself. Fume Essential, that's F-U-M-Essential.com, and start creating positive habits. Don't forget, the promo code is O P O P I E. Or click the link in the show notes to save 10%. Do me a favor. Check it out for yourself. It's Fume Essential. That's F-U-M Essential.com. I also want to welcome joinhoney.com slash Opie to the Opie Radio Podcast. Of course, we all shop online. And we've all seen that promo code feel taunt us at checkout. And you don't have a promo code. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. You know, they range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Okay, how does it work? Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. And if Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the price drop right in front of your eyes. Want to try it out for yourself? JoinHoney.com slash Opie. That's JoinHoney.com slash Opie. I used it for some shoes and some podcast equipment. And man, I saved like $15 or $20. It was so freaking easy. Check it out for yourself. All right. Here's your call to action. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds and by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash That's joinhoney.com slash Let the savings begin. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, how's your life been since since i miss it was a
1: big adjustment yeah you know because i've been with him for 31 years and so it was you know all of a sudden i was in this situation where the thing that kind of made me have the career that i had the the springboard the, the thing that you know was the one that got me the most notoriety and opened up a million doors for me in my career was yeah. no longer there and it was it was um uh, it was a strange, strange time trying to figure out because it, it changed the way I promoted dates. It changed, it changed. You know what I did, you know, on a daily basis, um, like not get up at four o'clock in the morning, which I still can't believe. You don't have to do, but you're doing it anyway. I mean, what the fuck are you thinking? And the first thing I did when. <laughs> When I wasn't doing, it. I was I slept until three o'clock in the fucking afternoon because it was. Well, you know. you're a
0: comic, though. That's that's in yeah, your that's, that's in your blood, even though you did morning radios for uh, morning radio. Excuse me for so long, but it's been in my blood to just be up early. I started as yeah. a caddy where we had to be on the golf course before right. the sun came up to get the right. you know the best loops because the right. really good golfers wanted to go out first thing in the morning. Right, um, and then it it led to doing uh, mornings for God. I don't know how many years now, but uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's, there's something about doing the morning, too, that also makes your day. You, you get a lot more done, I'll tell you that. Um, the, the oh, we, I don't
0: know about that. I walked around like a zombie after our radio show. I, oh. was, I never felt rested.
1: You're pussy. You're pussy. <laughs> because I, one summer, I, we were doing um, – miss was being simulcast on MSNBC, and the studios at the time were in Secaucus yeah i live on long island and i would have to be in a makeup chair in new jersey by five. Oh my god four thirty or five yeah um, which meant i had to leave my house on long island by three three thirty the latest um because they would put me in these full um you know these full you know full costume and makeup i did dr phil they did the bold cap i had a bold cap when i did dr phil which took you know an hour and 15 minutes to do and i had just gotten the odd couple uh, yeah you were on
0: great board. on that on that man With, I, I i loved going to broadway and seeing you in uh, the odd couple oh my god you and nathan lane
1: that was fun you guys it, had
0: some chemistry but go ahead sorry
1: it was fun no it was it was, it was great so and we were rehearsing in the afternoon and uh, so i would get up at three o'clock in the morning and I would drive to Secaucus and I would get in my my costume makeup, and I would do the Ima show, and we would be done like at ten, and we would have like a little bit of a production meeting for the next day. I would leave Secaucus at eleven so I could be at rehearsal for the Odd Couple at noon, and we would rehearse the Odd Couple until six, and then uh, would grab a bite to eat and go around the corner for to to be in time to to start getting ready to be on stage as Herman and Sweet Charity Christine Applegate. Uh, uh, half hours at 7.30 on Broadway and then I would do the show and uh, get out and uh, we'd get out around 11.30 ish, uh, 12 and I would drive back to Long Island and uh, I would shower and get into bed for an hour and 45 minutes and then get up and go back out and start the whole thing over again. And I did that That's for the crazy. summer. That didn't kill me. Nothing will.
0: Yeah, of no. course. Did I ever tell you the email I miss, uh sent me? I don't know mm-hmm. if I did. So, I think people know that me and Imus were definitely friendly. Uh, I don't. I don't want to oversell it, but we kept in touch with each other over the years. And
1: uh, he loved. He really loved you. He, yeah. And he, he loved both you guys, but he yeah. really had uh, a fondness for you because he knew that you were a radio student. Yeah. And you knew. You know. You knew why he was as significant as he was, why he was as important as he was. So and Yeah, because
0: because it's uh it's a lot of things that the listener doesn't understand unless right. you study the craft. It's there's right. all there's so many subtleties when you try to run a radio show and, and uh nuances and when to stop this and try to something right. new and when to maybe go to the phones and whatever. And sometimes I uh, I I failed at it, but I think uh, I think my batting average is pretty decent. But um I met Imus when I was in Huntington, living in Huntington, and he had a book signing, and I was so nervous, and I was the last guy online. I just wanted to finally meet him, and he freaked out when he met me, and you know how he is. He he never really let his guard down, Mm -hmm. and we had so much fun, and then the bookstore kind of got mad because uh, the signing was over. Everyone left, and he just wanted to talk to me about radio and stuff. And we just sat down at the table. He was signing his books for another, God, I don't know. I want to say at least an hour. And they finally were like hinting, like, we want to turn the lights off and get out of here, you know? (laughs) And so over the years, we we absolutely kept in touch. I always defended him. He always spoke uh, fondly of me and Anthony. Uh, So whenever he was in a bit of trouble, I always wrote him to make sure he's all right. And I forgot which one. I wasn't sure if it was when, when his time in uh, radio uh, was done, or whatever, but I, I, I wrote him a little note. You know that was very, very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And he writes me back. He goes, you know, back at uh, back at WNBC, uh, Howard Stern used to pick his nose and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he sends back after my heartfelt email about the situation he was in. I'm like. I, you know Carl, who's no longer with us, one of my dear, dear friends. I told him that story. We laughed. We laughed all afternoon. We just kept coming back to this. He's like, "Wait, so he didn't write anything else? He didn't write anything else?" I'm like, "No, all he wrote was back at NBC, Howard Stern used to pick his nose and eat it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was so him. It was
0: just always so disarming,
1: you know? It's- right.
0: Also I get this email back. I swear to you, it said back back in the 80s at NBC, <laughs> we caught Howard Stern picking his nose and eating it. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck. Up. That's all he wrote after I <clears throat> that's after I spilled my guts. Spilled my guts about, yeah, I lost that's my job. And, and go and and he goes. Yeah, back in the 80s at NBC, we, we caught him picking his nose and eating it. And that was that was the whole email signed. It's perfect. Uh, there was nothing else in the email? Nothing. Ah. I'm thinking, uh, well, hang in there, kid. You'll be okay. You know, all that horseshit. Nothing. That's all he said. Back in the 80s at NBC, we caught him picking his nose and eating it. Oh, my God. We made $30 doing this today, uh, <laughs> Rob, so I got to give you half. Uh, what? D- Dick Cox Jr. gave me 20 and that is his real name, Dick Cox, Jr. And, uh, and well, those, he- those, are,
1: those are parents who should be, you know, brought into the town square and, and put in a stockade <laughs> and had pies thrown at them.
0: <laughs> for his name?
1: Yeah. Name your kid.
0: <laughs> I, got, I got the best one ever. And, and most of these guys, they've been with me a while, so they know a lot of these stories. But when I was a caddy, I caddied for a couple. Uh, her name was Anita. His name was Richard. And their last name was K-U-N-T-Z. And and you would always mess up the pronunciation and say cunts. But it, technically, it was a French name, that, and it was Kuntz. So it right. was uh, Anita Kuntz. So you would have to mm. say, thank you, Mrs. Kuntz. But every once in a while, you would mess up, and you would, li- you would say the word in front of these, <laughs> these grown-ups. But their names were Anita and Ri- uh, Richard. They called <laughs> them dick for real. but
1: And then, then you get like a really shitty tip at the end of the rounding and say, "Oh, thank you, Mr. Kuntz." You-
0: oh no, I would caddy for the wife a lot. She was really sexy and she wore her skirts a little too short and I think rob she really liked the attention of the young caddies. There was a sexual energy. But then again, I had that same sexual energy with the 75-year-olds because I was basically going through puberty in the middle of my my loops. I would I would have I would get boners just walking down the, uh, what hole would it be? The second hole. I would just get boners as I'm catting it for old ladies because, you know, you know about youth, Rob.
1: <laughs> like when you get called to the board to work at a math problem. That's
0: yes, all that, that old school. gig. Right. That's why I wore belts to school so I could tie it down a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, of course.
0: I got my friend Judd Jones. He wants to join the uh, the live stream. If you want to continue with us? I would love to have you. For yeah, Sure. Minutes. Um, I'm, I'm i, I usually out. end around eight because i got to get the kids to school they do that uh online learning man you're okay. gonna you are going you would not believe how how big my kids are now
1: i know I, I probably wouldn't i i mean
0: it's crazy my my son is going to be 11 in a couple months and my daughter's eight holy shit. isn't that crazy oh my god i remember when they were born you were one of the one of the people that absolutely reached out to me and were always asking about my wife and my kids you're you're that type of guy Rob.
1: well it's just it's you know it's we you know we're kind of joined at the have i can't you know when when i first got the chance to phone into you guys yeah i i was more excited than you know when i met rick nielsen and he pulled me on stage to do dream police with cheap trick <laughs> right. um uh because i've been fans of you guys for so long yeah and i would listen to you in the car on the way when you're doing afternoons at NEW, I would i would listen to you guys in the car on the way to the theater wow. you know all the way from long island to to broadway to so i would you know and i'll, I'll never forget being stuck in traffic and being worried about making my seven thirty call because of of the bus, the... uh oh, so the, the voyeur bus? The voyeur bus snafu, yeah. uh, because it caused so much traffic on, on, on 6th Avenue. Oh, yeah. Um, getting crossed down was next to impossible, so... Oh, yeah. And then when I got the chance to actually phone into you guys, it was like, oh, this is a yeah. schoolboy talking to O&A. And, and then yeah, to find out that you guys knew me and were fans of mine... Of that, course that I was knew my, you. you Long Island
0: movie. comic, man. I know a lot of the Long Island comics, and and, and then you're in my industry, radio, too, so... That was the time Rudy Giuliani called us stupid at a press conference because of the Voyeur bus. They really, uh, but we shut down traffic in Manhattan and, yeah. and uh they had they had what was it Sixth Avenue? I think it might have been Sixth Avenue, was shut down for Clinton's motorcade, and we were right. we were fucking with Clinton's motorcade. We probably should have got fired for that one. <laughs> and they were like they thought we were some kind of threat using naked girls in a voyeur bus it's like we're just stupid idiots on the radio terrorists. trying to build an audience
1: terrorists all right
0: let terrorists. me get judge jones on he's been waiting a bit he's a, oh he's a very funny comic oh you got a connection so judge jones so you know before i throw him on he uh, was vic henley's neighbor uh, Vic Kenley, uh, took Judd Jones under his wing when he moved to New York to, to follow his, uh, you know, his stand up comedy dream. And they were really, really close. And now me and Judd are close. Uh, now that I guess because Vic Kenley's gone now, me and Judd are close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We are friends. There you
1: go. That. Thanks. Thanks, Vic. You really helped to uh, put uh, yeah. together. What
0: the fuck? Ha- why would Vic? Tap out like this uh, on us—it's oh unbelievable, God. Rob. I know you knew him well. He used to talk about you fondly at those poker games. Well, let me get Judd on and We can talk yeah. about Vic and some other things. Okay, Judge, going I'm on, Carlos.
1: <laughs> I remember you from the memorial.
2: That's right, Rob. Good to see you again. But let me let me say this, Rob. You were talking about Lindsey Graham. One of the things—and this is totally stupid—but it always gets a laugh and it makes me laugh anytime, no matter who's in the room, if Lindsey Graham comes on television. I just automatically say, hi everybody, it's me, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina's most eligible bachelor. <laughs> every time. Every time. And it, gets, it makes it makes me laugh. I just love doing that. So I can appreciate the, Does, uh, the joke. Doesn't yeah. he
0: understand that it's it's okay in 2021? Like what, what is he doing? What
2: boy what I is mean, he worried yeah.
0: about?
2: I, that's that's a weird thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to do him
1: on Imus. He was one of my characters on Imus. And I mm-hmm. uh, you know, do, do the whole thing. Uh, um, I'm, I'm engaged. <laughs> my fiance lives in Canada, and um, and my houseboy Carlos, he uh, <laughs> just yeah, and uh, it made me so angry. I just want to go right home and bite my pillow. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Hey, uh, Rob, you got a good Vic Henley story?
1: Vic was, um, he was one of the hardest losses of of my life. I mean, he was just one of those guys who, the minute you met him, you felt like you knew him your entire life. He was just that kind of a person. He had that something, whatever it was. Yeah. He was just one of these amazing people. And I worked with him in Columbus, Georgia uh, for the first time some little shithole um, club that was uh, in a in a motel um, that the, the roof was leaking. And so it, and it rained all week. The window... So there was always this puddle right next to the air conditioner um, and the bed where I was staying. Uh, Nick was the the local who was... Uh, I guess he was emceeing. And another comic, Steve Smith, uh, was the middle act. I was working in Alabama um, the following week. And I don't know... He offered to drive me to the to Birmingham from where we were in Columbus Um, and we're going to stay overnight at his mother's house because he's from Oxford, uh, Oxford, Alabama, which is just outside of Birmingham. he and this guy, Steve Smith, who is this, this black comic, funny, funny, funny guy, who had the most amazing head of hair I've ever seen in my life. It was magnificent. It was this full on jerry curled, processed head of hair. And literally he'd walk on stage and it would glisten and your mouth would drop. It was like, this guy's got hair. You know, and he'd do this whole thing in his act about you know putting squalene in his hair you know this doesn't come easy this is this takes two tubes of squalene you get to this point we we drive you know during the night after the show on sunday and and we get to his mom's house she's on a cruise or something he has the household to himself and um you know we get getting a couple of beers and we're talking we just, we're eating taco bell whatever the fuck we're doing and it's time to go to bed and so we had all these guest rooms and and, and uh, steve smith goes goes to bed and um you know, and she said, I'm about ready to, to go into my room to go to bed. And, and, and Vic says, this is, Bradley, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to explain my mama how there's all this squalene on her pillar cases? <laughs> <laughs> he was so nervous about <laughs> Smith's squalene getting all. <laughs> <laughs> so we fast forward to Gage um, in Columbus, Ohio. I would do improv with the local guys after the show. We would stay on stage and whoever wanted in the audience wanted to stay and they could sell a few more drinks after the late show, we would just do improv. we do freeze tag and all that kind of stuff. And it became this thing that whenever Rob came to town, you would do improv on stage with him. And so Vic was with me on the road and I had done it with Vic at the Punchline in Atlanta a few times and so he was into it, he knew how to do it. And so we do this improv thing. And this was a hotel where they used to put up um, pilots and flight attendants, you know, when they had layovers. So the audiences were almost always these airline people. And so we did this whole thing, and then we did this whole show, uh, headline, and then we do the improv, and then we do this improv thing. And we'll, for whatever reason, we start doing My girl. I got sunshine. We're doing all the moves and whatever. I I guess you say what could make me feel this way. I'm a negro, negro. (laughs) (laughs) Um and there was this table of 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 black guys who fell out. They just went Crazy! They thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. <Every laughs> day, they were like falling all over themselves, and, and so we we turn and you know the the show's over. Everybody's patting right everybody in the back. We're standing in the lobby, and the, this this African American flight attendant woman comes over and says, "You you, Miss Lee, were very 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 funny, and you." She points to Vic. You you you, I really enjoyed you a lot, and um, and you, when she points to me, are are the biggest racist I've ever seen in my entire life. I was appalled (laughs) at your I was just appalled at, at your material and you're just a racist and 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 just how do you get away with what you say and no, 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 and Vic, of course, going. No, 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 no. You don't understand. He's he's the least racist guy. He worked with Eddie Murphy. He's the least <laughs> racist guy I've ever in my life. I swear to God. He's a, and black people love this guy. Some of his best friends are black. I mean, you're just going <laughs> to And she's, at her parting shot. And we are in the elevator. Like she's she's like chasing us into the elevator. And and Vic and I get into the elevator and he's trying to explain to her. He's he's not racist. Please, please, ma'am, just understand he's not a racist. I'll stand up for him. He's not a racist. And she says, you know, it's motherfuckers like you that perpetuates the myth. Oh. <laughs> and Vic looks at me and I look at him. <laughs> we start laughing. We go to our separate rooms. The phone rings. I pick up the phone and it's Vicker.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just a great
2: moment. There
0: was never a dull moment with Vic Henley. Uh, he, he always made it so much fun to hang out uh, with his music knowledge, his storytelling, uh, his unbelievable sense of humor. That guy enjoyed every moment of his life. I mean, we can was- all learn from Vic Kenley because it's all about trying to live in the moment. And I look at some of the guys and, man, two of my dearest friends that uh died recently both the way too young both understood how to live in the moment and just take every day and just just live it to the fullest man and that was Vic henley and of course uh carl yes
1: he he, um he was very 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 special he i was on the phone with him he's obviously been enjoying a couple of cocktails yeah um and he, he, he's just going on and on. We're making each other laugh, and he hated the quarantine, he hated yeah, it. so yeah. oh, I know. And uh, he says, Robbie, I, just, I tell everybody, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be where I am today. Because you, you took me under your wing, and you, you brought me to New York, and you and Gary Grant, and, and then the two of you guys. I mean, I owe everything to you guys. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting in this apartment if it weren't for you two. And it goes on and on and on. He was the most grateful guy. Yeah, um, but it was 100%. easy. To, it was easy to help him out because he he made me look good by bringing him to these people and bringing him to these places. Because I was I was turning him on to somebody who was truly talented, you know. And then it really touched me when I saw how he paid that forward. He did the same thing to other comics. Oh, 100 you know, percent. He took him under his wing and 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 helped him out. Him.
0: Vic was so down to earth too because a lot of comics they're. Uh... They're big time hustlers and uh, hustle because you have to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that in a negative light. And they were constantly, um, you know, chasing success and fame and money. And Vic loved being a comedian and certainly he loved all the all those things. But it wasn't the most important thing to him whatsoever. He yeah. just wanted to enjoy life and, yeah. and that the rest of that stuff would come when when I guess he needed it. And he he got his shots at some um, some fame and some money and and uh, but. But that guy was uh, way more than just a comedian.
2: Family and friends were the Family main and friends thing. hundred
0: percent. Main that, thing. Which is, you know, that's that's hard for a lot well, of comics. Well,
2: like, Opie, what, what did he always tell you? He'd, he'd say you uh, he something about you're out in Long Island or at the, at the house, and they could be like, stay there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. just <laughs> stay there. He was, he was so happy that I, I found my wife and had kids and had a life outside that radio show because he, he understood – the pressure cooker that was uh, the Opie and Anthony show. So when he knew that I was I had downtime with my wife and kids, and I was fishing or whatever, he thought that was way cooler than maybe the fact that I got to talk to Arnold Schwarzenegger one day. He didn't give a fuck mm-hmm. about that. He he's like, "Where are you?" I'm like, "I'm fishing." He's like, "Good, good, stay there." Like Judd said, "Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I miss him."
0: Judd's a Texas boy, uh, so we got to mention we got to mention Texas with this Ted Cruz and Cancun and icicles on ceiling fans and frozen fish tanks and uh, uh, people taking dumps in paint buckets and uh, there's no water. What the hell happened to Texas, Judge? That
2: that sounds like Saturday night at my house. (laughs) 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 It's a complete disaster. But no, I saw this morning the latest thing is uh, even though Ted Cruz came back, when they left for Cancun because their house was 30 degrees and, you know, no water and everything like that, uh, they left their miniature poodle there. Right. There's a picture of this little poodle looking out the window, like this, and pop. Her, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they left the fucking dog there at 30 degrees. You know. Yeah. Oh. Good. Good move. Well,
0: <laughs> please, please tell me you know the name of the poodle.
2: Snowflake. Yes. How appropriate is that? Dog is named Snowflake. Snowflake. <laughs> Ted, how much? He is such a fucking pant load. He, did he not realize this was the worst decision to make? You've got like a four or five day window where Texas is frozen. It's going to be like the worst disaster money-wise than Hurricane Harvey. I mean, it is a serious, serious problem. The optics of going to the airport and flying to Cancun yeah. when you're one of two senators in the state, yeah. it blows my mind. But you know, I'm, I, the more stuff that I read about this, there's a picture of him in the United Airlines lounge at the Bush Airport in Houston. And he's looking at his phone. And he's kind of like this. And I'm thinking to myself, that's probably right when he realized, fuck. I blew it. Cause it's probably yeah. people, you know, they're showing pictures of him being there. Yeah. And he and he and he lied saying that, well, he was just taking him down there to drop him off. And now it's yeah. come out that it was a it was a last minute thing, but the whole family, they're getting the neighbors involved and everyone's right. going to go down to Cancun and then he comes back the next day. You know, it was probably one of those situations where kids are complaining. His wife is like, we're leaving. And he's just like, fuck, I got we got to go. I got to get <laughs> yeah. these kids out of here. <laughs> right. They're driving me crazy. So that probably clouded his political mind and just said, fuck it, we're going to the Ritz-Carlton to get out of here so they'll stop with this shit. You know, I that's prob-
0: I. I think you might be onto something. I think he was caught behind, between a, a rock and a hard place with this. He's got the family.
1: It's, we don't have to deal with this. Crap. It's
2: cold, it's Daddy. You oh, it oh. Fuck. You're a senator. Get us on a guy. Right, Get right. Fuck <laughs> Snowflake. I'm cold. And then,
0: and then he's checking his phone and everyone's just killing him. And then yeah. to have the point of view you just had, Judd, by the way, you know you're a libtard, right? There's no logic in what you said. It just means that you're a, you're a libtard, you're a lefty, and that's the only reason you're saying the things you say.
2: Oh, that, I, that I'm saying? Oh, yes. That's yeah, right. that's how oh, it yes.
0: goes in this world. You can't that's criticize right. anybody without the, that whole side coming down on you. Look, I'll yeah. say it. Cuomo sucks right now.
2: Oh, my yeah, God. He's
0: got problems.
2: Right. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, look at that. I mean, you know, yeah, okay, Ted Cruz goes to Cancun, and that's the main story. I mean, they're tracking him like Bigfoot. Yeah, And, you know, Cuomo is just kind of, Cuomo's probably what you know, woke up yesterday and was like, fuck, thank God. He knows, <laughs> he knows the media is just going to be, you know, focusing on that for a while. But he's got, he's got big problems, though. If the FBI is starting to probe and that's Biden's Justice Department, that ain't looking good. No,
0: you know? not at all. Yeah. Hey, Rob, you stay out of the politics these days? Because, I mean, yeah. I was pretty political on his show over the years.
1: Yeah, I still feel some of his is influence. I feel like I have to carry a little bit of the torch. Um, if I have something that seems particularly ripe, or or an opportunity to do a picture, or or some kind of a you know face and hole thing that I can make, or some kind of a Photoshop thing that I can do to humiliate somebody, I will. <laughs> I used to do Trump a lot on on this thing the the ruthless spectator, which was a project I did. Uh, Online sketch comedy. It was a, yeah. a website. We had a whole bunch of sketches. And so I did a bunch of song parodies with with Donald Trump. I did a, a sketch of the Donald Trump language lab where he taught you how to speak Mexican. And <laughs> 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 so we did a couple of those. So it's just, I mean, there was so much to do. I mean, it was, it was so, I mean, you talk about Ted Cruz. It's like, here's a guy who, who, <laughs> Who Trump called didn't call his wife a dog, but basically just held up a picture of his old lady and a picture's worth of tabs of words. This is this is who I'm banging and this is who Ted Cruz is banging, you know. Yeah, he, he turns around and he's got his nose further up Trump's ass than than you know Lindsey Graham on a Friday night. You know? yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it really is scary. I mean Trump was able to insult Cruz's wife and then he still supports the guy like where's where's the line where you say fuck fuck politics i gotta stick up for my own family like it it seems like these guys just don't have it
2: it doesn't exist especially nowadays because if they know that they have to work together when it's all said and done so but trump took it to a whole new level like robs is talking about his wife directly like i don't remember that being like a common theme in political discourse during elections before yeah. Unless it's like some you know local sheriff talking about the other guy or something right but but Trump doing that we that was new to all of us, and we're like, oh my God, he's screwed now, yeah you know I mean he went after the guy's wife, nope, he gets elected, and then politics is politics, Trump and Cruz want the same thing, so they work together, well, same with Rubio and all these other people, you
1: know yeah, yeah. And, and, and and Lindsey Graham went from. Donald Trump is a xenophobic, racist, homophobic, uh misogynistic person, but stop calling him names. Stop he's it. He's my friend. President, And he's, he's he became that that kid who was defending Britney Spears. You know, he started right. like weeping. <laughs> right.
0: Right. <laughs> it's Mitch McConnell's turn to be thrown under the bus. Not a fan of Mitch McConnell, but
1: Oh, you mean you're a little turtle?
2: Yeah, the
0: turtle. He came out against Trump, and now Trump basically wants to ruin him. I mean, Mitch McConnell, you know, supported Trump the entire four years he was in office.
1: We're not going to say. Uh, I'm not going to go right out and say that Donald Trump was a douchebag, but I will just say, that, uh, moving forward, uh, I'll do whatever I can to piss all over this motherfucker because he uh, he fucked me over a few times, and uh, it's just a, the, the top of the line, That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <I'm gonna fuck laughs> him over as much as I humanly can do, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't convict him. We shouldn't convict him, but
2: I'm gonna fuck him over, like. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, right. uh, he had a, he had a real problem with any word that had a p in it because it would be like a pu. <laughs> it was that was a re- pu. It was a tough thing for him to do. <laughs> Shook his whole upper torso. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. How, oh my god.
0: How is he alive? You you see <laughs> him in talking to the press, and it looks like parts of his body are about to literally fall off him in the middle of <laughs> speaking. Well, I guess Texas is going to be all right, though, right? No, this one's going to last a while, right, Judge Jones?
2: Well, I'm, I'm curious with, well, first of all, all the pipes freeze, and so you get lines, uh, water pipes breaking now. Well, when they start to defrost, that's when they break even more. Right. So, so you've got all of that that's going to go on for a long time it's just flat out, not winterizing there, right. There's been three of these storms in the last 32 years. And, and after the previous two, there was recommendations that, well, you gotta winterize this or this is gonna happen again. Well, it's a, co- it's a cost and effect thing. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They're gonna, if they winterize everything, like it would be in the Northeast, prices are gonna skyrocket. Cause the, yeah. you know, generator of the companies aren't gonna, you know, absorb that cost. So it's kind of like when, when Rick Perry said, uh, you know Texans are willing to freeze uh you know in order to not have uh or I forget what the exact quote is they're willing to deal with this instead of going to green energy or whatever he said well i kind of i kind of with them on that Texans would rather deal with this for a short term than yeah. have their utility bill double i mean that's really what it comes down right. to so it's going to happen again
0: i think you're i think you're describing politics in general and why i despise pretty much all of them yeah. Uh, they know it's it's too hard to fi- fix and too costly so they just when they're in office they just hope you don't have one of these major winter storms while on their on their watch and right. it'll be someone else's fucking problem after their time is done in the limelight that's why i don't like these guys at all they yeah. of course they should have fixed the, the power grid in texas a long time ago yeah oh by the way because we got to be balanced here you know we I said, how is uh, Mitch McConnell alive? Quickly. I mean, these guys don't miss a beat. Chris off to Facebook. How is Nadler alive? Can you imagine his dumps? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nadler. I mean,
0: that guy's not wrong. I mean, you know, Nadler's had some some uh, almost fainting issues.
2: Uh, well, shit. He's the picture of fitness compared to what he used to be.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I used to see him on the Excella when we had to go down to. Uh XM Studios back in the day. He was always on that train. He was huge. He
1: oh, was man. massive man. Yeah, Jed, it's not green energy. Oh. It's
2: Jewish space lasers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lindsay. I apologize. I apologize. Get your facts straight. <laughs> You're just spewing bullshit.
1: Hey, don't 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 talk to me about spewing. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kid. <king. laughs>
0: Very nice.
1: You know, I, I, I the other night, um, I, I was at a disco and um, <laughs> I looked over and I saw this one guy at the bar kissing another guy, and I looked over and there was another guy with his hand down another guy's pants, and 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 then the bartender was was, was had dropped trial, and another guy came over and stood behind him, and I turned to the guy I was dancing with, I said, I think we better get out of here. <laughs>
0: We, I think we got to leave it at that. Unfortunately, I got to get these kids to school. I mean, that's a perfect hour.
1: What's friend. that? What's that? A, f- a four foot walk?
0: I mean, well, yeah. Get your, all right, hold on. We could do a couple minutes, but hold on one second. Get your own cereal. <laughs> all right, we're good for another five minutes. Take your
2: kids to school.
0: This should be winter break. Shouldn't they be off? Uh I think they've been off for a year. I, I don't know what they're teaching them <laughs> online. It's a little crazy. I I will brag. I got smart kids, so I'm lucky. So I know this year is not going to hurt them too much. But there's there's going to be some real issues in America by taking a year off like we just did.
1: I mean, I the the greatest thing that ever happened to me in school was the year I was supposed to take the chemistry regents. They stole them, so they canceled them. So that. I ever got, because if I had to take chemistry regions, I'd still be in high school. <laughs> yeah, no
0: kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Rob Bartlett, this was a, a pleasure, man. I can't believe it's been a while. I, I haven't seen you, and uh, you look Definitely, good. man. I, I uh, hope everything's going all right. Uh, yeah. Got to get you back on a stage. Got to get uh, Judd back on a stage. Yeah. The world needs uh, the comedians, my friends.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. So I'm still, still trying to bang out something on the You know, the Rob Bartlett Radio Comedy Hour, uh, which is never an hour long and that's the joke. (laughs) Right, right. I get I get people sending me, you know, man, that that podcast was only forty seven minutes.
0: Yeah. Oh. It's it's
1: it's called irony. (laughs) (laughs) Look into it. Look it up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right i got i gotta go i really do got to get these kids uh going i got to make sure their ipads are charged and they got their supplies and the teachers sent stuff overnight no, that i gotta pray your out.
1: life what a fucking hell of a life you have sitting yeah. in a fucking beach mansion looking at the waves i gotta go
2: give my kids a bowl of fruit loops <laughs> fuck yeah. you fuck you <laughs> Next thing you know, he's going to go to Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Jesus. Yeah.
0: Bravo. <laughs> my friends, Rob Bartlett and Judd Jones. Thank you, guys.
2: All right, boys. we will talking
0: with y'all. Take care. Give, me my, love. Give me my love to Lynn's. I will. We got, oh, she broke her shoulder, Rob.
1: Man, I told you, you got to <laughs> stop hitting your wife. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Pushed her right down the stairs. What they don't—they
1: don't like that. I mm-hmm. told you. They may say, you know, "Hit me, daddy, hit me, daddy." They don't mean it. <laughs> you got a downshift. How many times <laughs> I got to tell you? <laughs> Jesus. Now you got to hit her on the other side so she doesn't, you know, walk honk on. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> get out of here, you idiot. Uh, okay, Kevin. Bartlett and judge Jones. I love these guys. John All right. Virginia. You're talking to me Rob. you Rob. Y'all Take, Night, care. Take care. All right. We uh we go now.
2: Send me my 20 bucks.
0: Boom,